2: Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. It is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hope everyone is having a fantastic start to their week. I am Mike Heck, back for another slew of shows here on MMA Fighting. And a lot has happened since we last spoke, including... The news that Habib Nurmagomedov, at least the way it was initially reported, he's just going to leave MMA altogether, not going to coach, not going to do much. He's going to spend time with his family, which kudos to him. Our own Damon Martin spoke with Habib's manager, Ali Abdulaziz, who said that may not be a permanent leave from MMA, but at least it is... A temporary one for sure, which is really interesting considering his prized pupil, Islam Makachev, has a huge fight with Alexander Volkanovsky coming up next month. So there you, there you go. That was obviously some big news. And then we got some even, we got some other big news yesterday. Just out of nowhere, found out that Calvin Gasolim, who was scheduled to face Nasruddin Imovov, in the main event of UFC Vegas 67 this Saturday at the Hallowed Apex, Gaslam is out of the fight. Suffered a mouth injury. Some gnarly videos and photos have been attached to this. And on just five days' notice, Sean Strickland is stepping in to take Gaslam's spot. The fight is going to happen at 205 pounds. And Sean Strickland becomes the first UFC fighter since Tito Ortiz way back in the day to headline back-to-back UFC fight cards. Of course, he's coming off a very competitive loss to Jared Cannonier in his last fight. And it's kind of a, a crazy story involving this because this was first reported by Bernard Akamoto of, of ESPN. Yesterday was kind of a, a weird and busy day. Because I actually was – I spoke with Eric Nixick and I'm sure that conversation is going to come up amidst your questions. So stay tuned for that. And as we're, doing, as we're doing this interview and having this conversation, I see Eric on his phone and he keeps just like tapping his phone. And I'm not really sure why. I'm just like, oh, people are just trying to call him. All good. And we wrap up the interview and I finish up my shift and then I decide to go for a run. I go for a nice little jog. And when I come back, I have like eight missed phone calls from people, a couple of them from Eric Nixick, and Eric texted me, says, ooh, boy, wait till you hear what's going on now. And, of course, the news had already come out. I didn't have my phone with me. Uh, but apparently, as Eric and I are doing the interview, Eric had his phone on do not disturb, unless it's an emergency or some. And apparently – you can like bypass that and treat it as an emergency call. So if you treat it as such, it'll go through anyways. So apparently, as we're doing the interview with Eric, Sean Strickland had called him countless times to get his thoughts on whether or not they should take this fight. They obviously ended up taking it and agreed to it, and here we are. It was just kind of crazy to, to think about. But yeah, 2023, just being 2023 this news comes out and a big shakeout to kick things off. So I see a lot of you lined up for, to give your thoughts about the comings and goings in the world of MMA. But I do want to get a couple of things off my chest before we get to the calls. Uh, some things that have been on my mind for the past several days. And I feel like this is a safe space for me. I feel like we're all friends and I feel like, when I need to have these like self therapy sessions, I could just come on here and speak and get some things off my chest. And a lot of you will listen and understand where I'm coming from. So I listened to, I was listening and watching to watching Ariel Hawani's wonderful program, the MMA hour. And I know he talked about the Dana White situation and everything going on. And, the, I, I will say this, this whole thing has been kind of weighing on me over the past several days since this video came out and the silence has been really the most disturbing thing of all. And we've talked about it on this program pretty much every day last week. We talked about it on BTL and I feel like it's something we're we're going to continue to talk about, but Let me just say this. I see the comments. I saw some people and I still keep falling into this trap that I just look at the comments and I don't know why I keep doing it. Cause I've done so well over the years to just not look at the comments about stuff. And AK and I did our onto the next one predictions extravaganza on Sunday and looked at some comments because we, one of the questions that came up was buy or sell Dana White will it was something like he will remain or not remain the active president at some point in 2023. Like something will happen, whether it's he's stepping away for a month or he's suspended or he just steps down altogether. We're buying or selling whether or not that was going to happen. Of course I talked about it and I saw some comments from some people saying, you know, it's a, it's a family thing. It's a personal thing. Leave it alone stop grabbing at the stick, so to speak, and all this stuff. And I'm just like, what the hell, man? So I thought about this, and I have thought about it a lot recently because obviously what Data did was wrong. He's admitted as such, and people are still just running and sprinting and tripping over their own shoes to defend this man. And I brought up different names, like, Again, if this is me on video, I don't think I'd be getting the same treatment. I certainly don't think Dana White would be quiet about it. He'd probably be quote tweeting it every day and calling me a piece of shit and lumping all the media members in together. And one of my biggest concerns with this whole thing is that I'm proud of what I do. I love working in this space and I don't want it to be a negative space all the time. And I also don't want to just keep bringing this up over and over again if people are going to be upset about it. I will say this. I will not stop talking about this. If questions are asked about it, I'm going to talk about it. And something tells me that more is going to come out and we're going to keep reacting to this. But my one of my big concerns was I want this sport to be treated almost in the same respects as some of the other major sports because I just believe in it. And I believe in the fighters and I believe in the athletes. And for some reason I thought over the weekend, I'm going to talk to like other people outside of the space and just get their thoughts. Cause I have a lot of friends who are reporters for other sports who work front office jobs for professional sports teams um, pretty much across the board, whether it be baseball or basketball or hockey or work somewhere with the NFL. And I had conversations with seven or eight people that I know who, whether I went to high school with them or met them along the way about the situation and how the other sports and the communities are looking at us. Cause I was just curious, what, what are you all thinking? What is the community thinking? What are the fans thinking? And the most common thing that I got that just, just made me shake my head a little bit. We're all laughing at you. That's what someone said. We're laughing at you. We're laughing at you because of the handling of all of this. And that's just, like, not what I want to hear. That's just not what I want to hear. I don't want to be covering the laughingstock sport of the world and... To most of those people that I spoke to, that's how people are viewing MMA, its fans, and the promotions. We're a laughingstock because of how this has all been handled. And what's been wild about this whole thing is along the way, I think all of us who have talked about this have given Dana White a lot of credit for how he handled himself in the interview with TMZ. Despite the absolute awfulness of that interview from TMZ side, it was just a joke. It was just a joke. And I was one of those people. And I said it for days. Dana handled himself well. Didn't make any excuses. Everyone tried to defend him. Not everyone, but a, a, a group of people, fighters, fans, defending him. The equal rights argument, all that crap. And since then, everything since has changed in my eyes because we talked about the Twitter story that was since or the Instagram story that was deleted hours later of him just living his life out in Vegas, gambling and making stacks of cash with the elk boys or one of the elk boys that went away. Then the F it Friday came out as we were doing the show. Baloney pie. I mean, isn't that apropos of this conversation we're having right now? Baloney pie. And then yesterday, on his page, a promo for the stupid slap fight league. That's starting January 18th. And I'm just like, this guy and everybody else, they don't give a shit. They do not give a shit. And it's just, I, I can't believe it. I just, I can't believe it. And since then, we've had women's advocacy groups come out and say, this man needs to be removed from his position. He doesn't give a shit. Nothing's going to happen at this point because it's just not going to. And everybody's fine with it, no matter what anybody says. The coverage of it from a grand scheme has been awful. We're doing what we can to, to keep it in the news because it's a, it's, it's a big story, whether you want to hear about it or not. It's, it's a massive story. And again, this is any other sport. We're not having this conversation right now. Punishment has already been put out. Statements from everybody involved. With this, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the other sports, their fans, the communities, media members, Ariel brought up the Dennis Green line many times when it comes to Dana White. We are who we who who we are. They were are who they, who we thought they were. Dana is who Ariel thought he was, and in their eyes, the other sports in their communities, we are who they thought we were, and that just crushes me. But it also led me to, to take a look in the mirror and say to myself do you want to keep talking about this over and over again? Do you want to annoy people or do you want to do what you've always done, which is highlight the fighters, make it about them and just be as positive as possible in this space while still being honest at the same time and saying what's on your mind. And I decided that I'm not going to take the left or the right. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep driving. Am I going to bring this up in the open of every show that I do moving forward? No. And if that's your hope, congratulations. Am I just never going to talk about this again? Absolutely not. I am going to talk about it. Because like I said, this isn't the end. More is going to come out. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm just... I just don't think there's one video. Like, I think there's going to be more to this. And what's going to be interesting is if something else happens with one of the fighters on the roster who get put in the same position. How is Dana going to react to that? How is the UFC going to react to that? How is this going to happen? Like, how is this going to work? So I'm just going to do my thing. I'm not going to harp on this. I'm going to talk about it because it needs to be talked about. But if you're just like, oh, here we go again, it's not going away. But I'm not going to, like, obsess over it. Because if the UFC doesn't give a shit and Endeavor doesn't give a shit, I'm going to give some shit, but nothing's going to happen. And the more I speak about it, the worse I'm going to feel. So I have to be able to balance it. I have to be able to do this fairly and talk about it but I also have to live my life and I don't want to be sick to my stomach every day because of this sport. I want to enjoy what I do. And I want to thank my best friend, Alexander Kaylee for kind of reminding me of that on Sunday because we had a great show. It was just nice to talk about MMA. Yeah. We had to talk about Dana, but it was nice to just talk about MMA and the fighters and everything involved. And that's what it's all about. So it's not going away. I ain't kicking this to the curb by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm not going to be a negative downer Nancy guy. I'm not going to do it. So we're going to find a happy medium. And that's it. So I wanted to get that off my chest. There's a lot to talk about. And like I said, at any point on any of these shows, if you want to talk about this, let's go. Let's turn the key and... I'm I'm happy to talk about it. But I'm not going to go crazy over it either. We'll talk about it when it comes up. You want to talk about it? Let's go. But I'm, I'm not going to like completely forget about this to put it out there. But I also don't want to be just the negative downer guy who just talks about awful shit all the time. So I want to thank AK. I want to thank Ariel for saying what he had to say. And, and one other thing, that Ariel said that I completely agreed with because I actually spoke with Adrian Yanez yesterday as well. Uh, I got other interviews coming up over the next few days. I'm trying to just do a lot of interviews now to get my mind off of all of this, to just focus on other positive stuff. I'm not going to ask UFC fighters about this. It was something that weighed on my mind. Like, do I ask them about it and get their reactions to it? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I completely agree with Ariel That's only going to be bad for them. It's not going to be bad for Dana. It's going to be bad for the fighters. Like, if I ask Adrian Yanez what he thinks about it, and then Adrian gives an answer that isn't UFC suitable, then he gets in trouble, and I don't want that. I don't want that at all. Will I ask fighters outside of the organization about it? Yeah, probably. Especially those who may have been former UFC fighters. But those I'm not gonna ask UFC fighters about it. I'm not going to. And hopefully as this year continues, we're in a more positive place. That's my hope. And it's my hope that at the end of the year, when I go back to my buddies that I spoke to about how they view the sport, maybe their answer will be different. And that'll make me happy. But speaking of happy, the show makes me happy. Talking to you makes me happy, and that's what we're gonna do right now. So, double A, let's go. What's up?
3: I'm good. How you doing?
4: I'm good. Um, just one really quick one for you. Um, Valentina Shevchenko came out with some comments recently about um the state um the state of the contenders in the 125 division. She didn't feel like they were i um, active enough last year. I just wanted to know if you agree or disagree with those comments. Have a heck of a morning, Mike. Everyone else, have a heck of a morning. Enjoy the first part week of the, of the year. Peace.
2: Yes, I saw those comments. And, yeah, doesn't appear like anybody wants to go. And I just don't know who who it could be. Like, maybe Alexa Grasso, maybe Man and Fiora. I know Fiora's hurt. Both of them said they just want to fight each other at this point. No one's really calling for it. And Valentina's just kind of in a position right now where she's kind of like in the Volkanovsky spot, where it's just, all right, someone needs to emerge, and then I'll just fight them. But in her eyes and some others, no one has. But we'll see. We got... Obviously, some some fights coming up. We got Just Andrade, or and Murphy. Although Valentina beat both of them, we got Aaron Blanchfield fighting Tyler Santos coming up. That could be a big one. And who knows what's going to happen at 135? Maybe they'll just be like, you know what? Let's just bump you up to 135, which is a fight I'm hopeful we get sometime this year. She could fight Amanda Nunes again, get a crack to become a champ, champ. Yeah. But it's nice seeing Valentina going out there and just being like, come on, somebody step up to the plate. Let's do this. And ladies and gentlemen, we have some breaking news. It's not fight news or anything, but. So a lot of people have been wondering, what are we going to do for the pay-per-view? What are we going to do for UFC 283? Are we going to do the watch parties? Are we going to keep the watch parties going in 2023? Mike, you mentioned it was kind of an experiment. Let's see how it goes. Are we going to keep doing it? The answer to that question, I just literally found out, is yes. It is going to happen. Next Saturday, back to New York, me and GC, some special guests along the way. The watch parties continue. So there you go. So breaking news. Very excited about that. And it's going down. And I saw the dartboard in the MMA Hour studio. And that just made me really happy. That just made me very excited. Because I don't know if you know this. I've been known to chuck a dart or two in my day. So I'm coming for you, Helwani. Coming for you.
1: And deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: So there you go. Abswalia, you are up.
4: Hello. Hello, man. How are you? How are you? I'm good, you? Good. Uh, so um, I have a question regarding the Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fiziev fight. Um, I've heard that there are rumors that they are scheduling for March could you um, how do you see this fight playing out um, could this possibly be detrimental to Justin's career if you know um, Raphael ends up winning and is it true that it possibly will happen in March thanks for the have a good day
2: so I figured this question was coming because on Sunday uh, reports are coming out that the UFC and is working on a fight between Justin Gaethje and Raphael Fiziev, And of course me being who I am being the curious cat that I am had to reach out to people about it. And from what I was told, this whole thing stems from an interview with Raphael Fiziev. I'm not sure who it was with, where he mentioned that this was in fact the case that it was in the works fight between Justin Gagey. I'm told that there's truth to that, that where there's smoke, there is fire. Fight is being discussed. March is on the table. April is on the table, but it appears to be March. And there's two pay-per-views, March 4th in Vegas, March 18th in London, I spoke to Justin Gaethje at the end of last year. He mentioned that he wants to fight on that London card. So it could be one of those two dates. But uh, from the conversation I had, there is truth to that. It is being discussed. And March is the target. It's just a matter of the date, whether it's March 4th, March 18th. And we'll see if we can get both parties on the same page on date and all that good stuff. But... Love that fight. I hope that's the fight. And as much as I would love to see Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier too, I would rather see this fight first. I would rather see Fazeev and some of these up-and-coming contenders get their opportunities at these names and these types of matchups. I think this fight makes perfect sense. This is the one, and I hope it gets done. And will it be detrimental to Justin Gaethje if he loses? Depends on how you look at it. I don't think his star power or the excitement levels behind Justin Gaethje will diminish all that much because even if Fazeev beats him, I don't think it's going to be the kind of fight where Gaethje just gets the doors blown off of him. I think it's just going to be a crazy fight and maybe Fazeev catches him with something or outworks him or something like that. But his title hopes certainly take a bit of a plunge but for a guy like that he's almost at that level where it's almost like he doesn't need a title anyways people just want to watch Justin fight so love the matchup don't think it's totally detrimental to him if he loses and I really hope this is the one that happens because I think Fazib deserves it and maybe it'll set a nice little precedent that some of these up-and-comers will get these big opportunities, and we, can't, and we can kind of veer away from just the big names, fighting the big names over and over again at 155. So truly hope that fight happens. But it is being discussed. I can assure you of that. Let's go to Archer. Archer, are you there? You're muted. I don't know if that changes anything. All right. Let's try JStat. What's up, man?
5: This is mom was in a PFL shirt. So I know you mentioned you spoke to Eric Nixit. Uh, so I just want to know the status of Francis and uh, John Jones situation. But anyway, that that is all heck of a morning to you.
2: All right, so I figured this question was coming as well because I was asked about this many times on Twitter. What is going on with Francis and uh, And I'll start with I'll start with the correct answer, the answer that i'm going the answer I'm going to give you is I have no friggin idea. I have no clue. But here's what I will say. I saw that I saw the the, the picture of the pfl gear i don't know if that was planned or if it was planned then absolute brilliant move from francis and brilliant move tremendous tremendous business savvy that guy i saw an account tweet out that francis and is officially a free agent i saw this and like i did and like i said i did speak to eric dixick um, we talked about, obviously, that fight because I would be crazy to not talk about that fight. Here's what he told me. I think that interview is going to drop in the next day or two. Uh, so I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Eric Nixick is optimistic that Engano Jones happens. In regards to it happening March 4th, Eric's honest answer was he's 50-50. Asking him, 50-50. Now, you have to understand where he's coming from. He is the head coach. He's privy to Francis, the fighter. The recovery, the rehab, how he looks in the gym, what he personally is going to be preparing his fighter for. And in his eyes, he is preparing Francis Ngannou right now to fight Jon Jones. Francis is not in Las Vegas right now. Francis is in Cameroon. Spent the holidays with his family, but he also has to renew his visa, which is why he's not in the States right now. Eric told me that a couple days before Francis went to Cameroon, he worked with Francis in the gym. It was just him and Francis. They had It was just them in the gym, nobody else. And he said that Francis was almost rejuvenated. Even said, I miss this shit. I'm back. Bouncing around, said he looked tremendous and said that the energy that Francis was giving off just gave him a boost of energy as well. Described it as two little kids just having a good time because of the energy Francis brought to the table. Now, the free agency question, if he is a free agent like an out and out outright free agent in my eyes news to him news to me because if that's the case Eric doesn't Eric Nixick has no clue unless this happened after our conversation which more than likely if that was the case and he knew about it I would probably know about it as well at this point Uh, so I don't know I truly don't know whether or not he is an outright free agent or not But as far as Nixit goes and the way he's viewing it, optimistic he fights John Jones sometime in the first half of 2023. March 4th, he says 50-50 because he is still rehabbing. He's coming back from a pretty traumatic injury that takes a lot of time to recover for. And let's be honest – If Francis isn't going to be 100% March 4th, then I don't want to see it March 4th. But Eric is confident that if all parties agree and Francis resigns and everything is good on all those aspects, if he has to be ready for March 4th, they believe he can be ready for March 4th. But between business and just where he's at right now, 50-50, which... Look, in baseball terms, 50-50 is pretty damn good, right? So we'll see what happens. All that's still kind of up in the air. Eric is not privy to the business side of things. Um, But I would think if Francis was like an outright free agent and was shopping suitors, uh, that he would be privy to that and probably talk about it in some way or at least be sleuthy about it. And he wasn't. And you'll see that in the conversation. But if you're asking me if I know for sure whether or not Francis in Ngannou is a free agent or not, I don't know. But that's based on that conversation. Uh, Four Quarter Sports. Hello. Hey Mike, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, cool.
6: Um, I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to ask the the mouth injury to. To Calvin Gasson. Was that like a stab infection? Because I saw Connor posting his uh you know, his take on it, you know, saying that the match probably were dirty and stuff like that. I just never seen something like that before, and if that's the case, I mean I mean that's, that's pretty that, that stuff's bad for for uh, Calvin because the last thing he fought, he, I think he was out all the last year if I'm not mistaken. You know, am I right or am I wrong about that? Uh, uh yeah. Year. Yeah, so I mean it sucks for him. I mean, the man uh this is already going to be going like what, maybe like what, 15, 14 months without a paycheck from the UFC? That's a long time right there. And I think this is like what, the second time they were trying to book uh, D. Imov to fight him. So, sucks on, on that. Um, I wanted to, I know you're talking about John Jones and uh, let's go Francis and but I wanted to ask um, between them two, you know, whoever, whoever was to win, if they do fight on March 4th, who would have like a bigger upside, you know, like from a legacy standpoint, as for, you know, you tracking back, you know, in their careers, John getting the second belt or is it, you know, Francis getting a victory over somebody that we never thought that would be defeated?
2: All right. Thanks, Mike. It's a really interesting question. Um, it's probably John. It's probably John just because of where everybody sort of rates him. A lot of people feel like he's the greatest of all time. Even Eric Nixick admits that even Eric said he thinks John is the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. And for those who don't think that are on the fence, getting that second belt puts it over the top. 100%. And I think, I mean, it'd obviously be huge for Francis. But it's just – it's the heavyweight division. And like right now, in most people's eyes, the greatest UFC heavyweight is Stipe just because he had the title defenses. So adding John to that list probably puts Francis over the top. So I think it's obviously meaningful to both guys' legacies. But I think it's probably John more – it's probably more John just because of the undefeated record. Like I know he's got a loss on the record, but we all know – All of us know that that's a bunch of caca, the Matt Hamill thing. So I would say John overall, just because of the undefeated record and the winning streak and all that. But that also means there's probably a lot more pressure on John too, especially with everything involved, his career, what that 30 for 30 would look like right now. And then this – move up to heavyweight and being out for three plus years by the time he gets back in there. It's a lot to weigh in, but top of my head right now, it's probably something I'll be thinking about if that fight gets made heading in. It's probably a question we'll bring up on preview shows and stuff, but I would say John Jones. Let's go to Emilio. What's up, Emilio?
5: what's up mike uh happy to talk to you again uh heck of a morning to all the other beautiful listeners up in here <clears throat> up in here yeah 2023 has been rough but let's uh try to say positives here uh, i've got a i've got a couple of things uh that i want to get off my chest uh first of all the whole um I, oh okay i guess it's one question and then kind of a statement I'll start off with the question which is in related to Francis and the whole PFL thing you know with his mom and uh, uh, what do you think how do you think if Francis was a free agent and if the PFL somehow managed to sign him I mean, what do you th- what do you think that would leave, or the potential, what kind of potential would that have for the PFL, you know, by the end of the year in terms of their growth, in terms of their marketability? Um, I was I was listening to the MMA guru talk about the whole Francis thing with PFL, and he said that I mean. You know, he's kind of a, you either love him or you hate him. But he was saying something in the realm of that Francis doesn't sell fights. I, and I think the reason why he doesn't attract huge numbers is because the UFC just doesn't know how to promote this man. I mean, I know, I know for a fact that you have come out and said several times, over different programs and different broadcasts uh, from the MMA fighting family that you just just show footage of this man blasting Alistair Overeem to the shadow realm over and over again. That's it. You don't need to do anything else. Um, so, so yeah, I guess, again, just to kind of finalize my thoughts, the question would be, what kind of impact do you think Francis being a free agent and and Francis maybe signing with the PFL would have on the PFL uh, as a brand, you know, with the whole Jake Paul signing. And if by any chance they would manage to sign Francis if he were a free agent. Honestly, yeah. That, so I guess that's my question. And what I wanted to get off my chest is that there's a part of me that if I had to choose between seeing Francis fight John and finally seeing John fight again or having the PFL kind of, I love Bellator or at least I don't, I don't mind them. I'm not a hater, but it would be kind of cool if the PFL sort of by the end of the year became the number two, the solid number two, uh, promo, MMA promotion in the world, and I think that if they, by any chance, manage to sign Francis, you know, I mean, you just said it yourself; like he's probably not a free agent, or, or at least Eric Nixig doesn't. That would be news to him. But um, I would rather see that than a Jones and uh, Ganu matchup. You know, I'd rather I'd rather see Francis in the PFL just destroying bodies and sending more people to the shadow realm. If that meant that PFL could get some, uh, some more momentum going for themselves and maybe attracting even bigger and better talent. Um, So, yeah, that's it. Uh, Thanks again for having me. Appreciate you all and uh, have a heck
2: of a morning. Thanks man. it would be gigantic if PFL signed Francis and Gano. Gigantic. Francis is a that's a difference maker, and I don't agree with the MMA guru if that's what he said. I haven't heard him say that he doesn't sell fights. Francis doesn't have to sell fights, and in fact, you can make the case that all of the fights that have been bought involving Francis Gano, he has sold. Outside of maybe the the first Stepe fight. Because you saw, and I was there, I was in Boston covering that card. I think it was UFC 220. Francis challenging Stipe, his first title shot. And you saw what a promotional machine the UFC can be for Francis Ngannou. Because that was the entire build to the fight. Was how much of a murderer he is. How much of a scary individual he is. His knockout ability, his power, all of it—it it was built around him. And Stipe admitted frustration about it as well—that the UFC didn't promote him enough. It was the Francis show, and you saw it at the end of the uh, end of that fight. He, re- he refused to let Dana White wrap the belt around his waist when he beat Francis. Made it he gave it to his coach. Had his longtime coach do it. The relationship between Stipe and the UFC has has been a pretty rocky one as well. But geez Louise, you put Francis in the PFL, you put Francis in Bellator. And they will, because you don't have to do much. You don't have to do much. Just show pictures of this man. Just show him with a mean look on his face. Just all jacked up and huge, punch in the bag, hitting mitts. I mean, that's all you need. That's all you need. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Francis Ngannou is probably the easiest guy to promote in the entire sport. He doesn't have to say a word. Of course, when he speaks, he's very eloquent. It's almost surprising how kind he is and how soft-spoken he is when you see what he actually looks like. But that's what makes him so marketable. It's so easy to promote him. It's so simple. And yet, outside of the first fight, the UFC has just done a horrible job promoting this guy. And it's so simple. I don't understand. But yes, it would be a game changer if PFL signed him. Because that's a domino effect. If Francis goes and the grass is greener for him... When there's a John Jones fight on the table, holy cow. Other guys are going to be jumping on board as well. This is a very big few months for the PFL. Huge, huge few months. The Jake Paul news is big. No doubt about it. But it ain't enough. They get Francis. Holy cow. That's huge. And you get Jake Paul to help promote him. You're going to just bring him into a whole different kind of an audience. Now, who knows what other names they'll sign. I know Kevin Lee has done interviews talking about wanting to sign with the PFL. Eddie Alvarez is still kind of looming out there. I've been saying for a while now that I think that's probably where he'll end up. They got this new pay-per-view division. So you don't even have to sign these guys for the season anymore. You can just sign them for the pay-per-view fights. And Francis would be a huge signing. You, you still have to do more, but it'd be a damn good start, especially for a guy that's so easy to promote, that's so easy to get over. Yeah. I mean, it's a no-brainer if they can do it, but we'll see if they can actually do it. That's the big question. Let's go to Tristan. What's up, Tristan? We... Yes, sir. Hey.
7: Um, A couple of things here. Um, uh, I was messaging AK yesterday. We were talking about the whole situation with Dana White. And my, what was on my mind, what I was trying to figure out, is what is holding Endeavor and ESPN, I mean, mostly Endeavor, what is holding them back from reprimanding, um, reprimanding Dana? Um, there's got to be something, because, like, you were expressing, I think, last week was... You don't really need Dana out there. The UFC could uh, run a, run the business in it within itself. Like you don't need to have Dana out there being visual. You could have them do something else or whatever, not be in the spotlight at all, and the UFC would be just fine. So it's it's got to be something that's hold, holding them back to to even try to um, to not reprimand them or do nothing. And we were just—it was just so odd to me. But uh, AK, had brought up a good point: was he has a lot of support. He has a lot of support within the media, fans. So, and you know, they're tied to him. And I guess he—he he does make them a lot of money. I, I kind of compared it to the movie, like uh, Casino, where like Dana White is Sam Rothstein, and Endeavor is the mob bosses, and they're saying, "Listen, he makes a makes a lot of money for us." So he's a made guy, and uh, not only being a made guy, he, he's a good earner, so they're not they don't want to disrupt that because again, the UFC makes up a lot of their revenue for Endeavor and they don't want to disrupt that. so they're gonna to try to weak this out as much as possible. It makes you know that makes the only sense to me in that in that in that regard. Uh, but anyway, um, other pressing questions I want to ask. what were your thoughts about Benil Darius or what do you had to say about? Um, Dustin Poirier, because I agree with him, but at the other hand, I also agree with uh, Dustin Poirier of taking only certain fights that is going to wake him up, that's going to motivate him. Um, he's going to go for the big names, but um, but I also agree with uh, Darius He's like, man, fight the up and comers. You know, we talk about this all the time. You know, fighters squatting on their ranks. Fight the Let's just let's get this lightweight division moving along. So, I just want your thoughts on that too, as well as um. We see Danny Gay's fighting Damon Jackson, and then as well, and then um.
4: Uh, was it um,
7: Gilbert Burns, um, expressing the same things of being more of a faster fighter. Uh, it's more of a go time for them. Uh, f- you know, um, uh, I think uh Danny Gay was uh talking about. How, how that fight went with against the Korean Zombie, that he wasn't pressing more and he's, he's going to show that on uh, Saturday that he's going to press more and really go for the finish. And then we saw Gilbert Burns, he was saying the same thing again against Neil Magny. of was like, I got to finish him to put a big impression on the UFC so I could um, figure out a way to get back to a title shot. So just your thoughts on their, um, their interviews and what they had to say and what's coming up. All right. Thanks, Mike.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, part of that Eric Nixlick interview is we talked a lot about Danny Gay. Um, his strength of schedule over the last couple of years has just been absolutely ridiculous. And a lot of we talked a lot about that fight and how much that meant to him. Danny Gay just welcomed a child into the world and he really wanted to win that one. It meant the world and maybe he felt more pressure for that fight than maybe he had felt in the past. And that's not really like Danny Gay. Dan typically has a business-like mentality, no extra pressure. But that fight, apparently, there was a little bit more pressure to win because of him being a dad and, and all that stuff. And him and Puna Soriano, I mean, the relationship between those, those two guys have known each other forever. Knew each other as kids, grew up in Hawaii together, went to college together. Ige moved to Vegas, Puna went with them and now they're fighting on the same card and back-to-back spots on a main card. Like, I think that probably loosens Dan up a little bit. But yeah, I think I think Dan knows that. He's a pretty smart guy. And yeah, Gilbert's probably the same way. I mean, th- they're both in pretty interesting spots right now. A little bit different, but both in pretty interesting spots right now. I'm trying to think of what the other questions were. But I'll talk about the Dana thing. Let's talk about the Dana thing. It's, it's, it's a tough spot for Endeavor, if we're being honest. And here's why. There's a, it's a serious conflict. But not only does Endeavor own the UFC, they're also Dana White's agents. They represent Dana White. So at the same token, you're running a business, you own the UFC, but it is also your job as an agent to protect your clients. So it's kind of weird. So that might have something to do with it. And then on top of that, they're probably all in communicato right now just saying, let's just act like nothing happened and let's just hope this thing all goes away. And I think that's equal parts. But yeah, I mean, if you're Endeavor, it's your business, but it's also your client who makes you even in that sense, a whole bunch of money. It's their job as his agent to protect him. So you don't see a lot of instances like this where the business owner also acts as a representative of the person involved in this mess. And that might have something to do with it as well. But yeah, it's, it's, just, very, it's just very strange how... The only repercussion, if you even want to call it that, and maybe it'll be presented in that way, is that the stupid power slap league is pushed back a week. And by the way, I'm happy to announce, and I don't even know if I'm supposed to announce this, but I'm going to do it anyways. MMA fighting, we ain't touching that shit with a 10-foot pole. We are not covering it. We're not recapping it. We're not going near it. Now, if there's a story about it, if, if something happens it gets canceled or taken off TBS schedule again, we'll, of course, report that. But if you th- think you're going to come to our website and we're going to tell you what happens on s- the first episode of Road to the Title for Dana White's Power Slap League, you're coming to the wrong website because we ain't going near that horse shit. So there you go. Let's go to Henry. Henry, are you there? Okay. Nothing. Try again. Let's go to crypto. We'll take a few more, and then I got to go. Busy day. Crypto, what's up? Crypto. Hi Mike. What's up man? Good. How are you? Good. Yeah, Mike. So a quick
8: question, uh, because yeah, I just talked briefly to AK about this, but I just want your take on this. So given this whole and White situation and, and listen, Mike, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, but are we as a community being a bit hypocritical when and, and, and once again, Mike, I'm, I'm guilty of this, but when we want Dana to have some consequences, but we bluntly accept the behavior of John Jones, and we, I mean, everyone is talking about him fighting uh, Francis Nganu. and of course, there were some articles, and this was supposed to be settled in court, and so on, but we know that he struck his wife in front of, the, uh, yeah, the, in front of his kids or, or the children. It was uh, a terrible incident and it kind of blew away, right? I mean, it was brought up, but we have kept on talking about this big fight. And to my knowledge, not a lot of us in the community have called for serious consequences for John Jones. So my question is Mike, is it just me or am I? And maybe. The community in general hypocritical here because we love this fight so much, so we are willing to to ignore John Jones's actions. But if Dana is removed, it kind of doesn't change the product in any way. I mean, it, to, to be completely honest, I mean, if Dana would have been removed, or even if, if Dana is not uh, basically the promoter in the future, I mean, there's a bunch of people that can take over that role and probably do it better than Dana. So it won't actually affect us that much. But if it's a member where there is a fight that is being affected, we're kind of, you know, like, yeah, let's, let's, let's see what happens. Let's see what what the, uh, uh, what yeah, what, <laughs> what the what the police say about this and this and that. So so that's my question. Like, uh, should we have the same? And 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 Mike, I understand Dana is, is different. I mean, Dana and a the fighter or so. Completely, two different categories of people here, but but still, uh, I think we are a bit lenient to fighters as well. Um, I think we should have the same standard for for a guy like John Jones. Thank you, Mike.
2: So, thank you for your call. I understand where you're coming from. However, the difference here is that. The promotion actually said something about this. Like, they actually came out and spoke about John Jones. Dana White in particular. It was talked about. Statements were made. Things were said. It was addressed like it actually happened. And that's not happening here with Dana. It was one interview and it was done. And Dana has just gone on and lived his life, and it is what it is. But the promotion actually spoke about it. People involved spoke about it. They're not doing that here. And that's my biggest issue. And again, I've said this a million times. And when the John Jones thing was happening, we all reacted to it. We did videos about it. We've reacted to everything that John Jones has done. But at least it was addressed. And in the past, John has been stripped of titles. There were repercussions to a lot of John's antics. Did it lead to him getting released outright from the UFC? No. But at least his problems were talked about. They were looked at as bad things. And there were some repercussions. Dana, there's none. No statement from the promotion. Again, they've told us to... See the TMZ article. No statement from Endeavor. Nothing from the broadcast partners. Not that I expected it. Fans taken up for Dana. Fighters, taken up for Dana. Which is hilarious to me, because I know a lot of people feel like, you know, Dana's one of us, built himself from the ground up. If you were on fire in Las Vegas right now, Dana wouldn't piss on you to put you out. And you're defending this guy. It's crazy. And again, I'm not, no one to say, like, no one that I've heard in this space, and I've talked about it a million times, no one has said Dana should be fired, he should lose his job. No one's saying that. Although you can make a strong case that the UFC would actually improve with him out, it's the Vince McMahon thing. All we want is for people to care, to understand why this is not a good thing, why you can't just let this slide. And no one's saying Dana needs to be fired. Get off TV. Get rid of the stupid power slap league because that is the, that might be the worst look of all of this is that you're allowing this t- to air on, your, on TV. Promos running on his social media, running on the UFC social media. It's just such a bad look. It just shows you that nobody cares. And I understand it's a private matter and all that stuff. It's on video. It's on video. We could go look at this video anytime it's there this isn't this isn't dana white arrested for allegedly slapping his wife and we don't know for sure we saw it we saw it with our own eyes you can't hide from it there's no loophole it's there he's the president of the fucking ufc and it's nothing again any other sport this is this is the biggest story and it is for a long time and maybe it fades away because within 24 hours everybody involved would have something to say. There would be a statement released about it. But not for Dana. It's just Jed Bishui the perfect word. Contrition. Contrition. Step aside For three months, go away, pay a heavy fine that goes to a DV charity, cut a PSA, do something. It's going to be with him forever. When you talk about Dana White, this incident is going to be with him forever. It's never going away. He's going to be looked at as the guy who built the UFC to where he's at. And the guy who hit his wife, that's what he's going to be. But what you do with that and how the story continues on, how the promotion handled it, how Endeavor handled it, how he handled it, how he showed that he cared. That will determine how this story ends or how the next chapters are written. He did this, he did this, he did this. And then he changed and it never happened to get. What's wrong with that? I, I just don't understand. So I don't think it's the same as John because it was, it was addressed. This has not been addressed. And I got a problem with it. And as I said earlier, if you missed it, I talked to a lot of people I know who work in other sports, whether they're in front office positions with professional teams or they work media for other sports, and they're laughing at us. They're laughing at us. It is what it is. You could be okay with that, but I'm not. Michael, hello. All right, nothing there. We got a couple of Mikeys. We'll start with Mikey Villain, And then we'll go to Mikey Bats, and then I think Henry's still hanging on there too. Mikey. I got nothing connection. Not good on your end. Mikey bats. What's up, man?
3: But I don't, I wish really push people would be like, well, it's a private matter. It's between his wife. I'm like, his wife can forgive Dane all he wants. Fact of the matter is the incident happened in public. It's on tape. He's a public figure. I don't understand why people think this is a private matter. It's not a private matter if it spills out where everyone can see it. Also, not to dive too much into it, but I think people need to understand if he hit his son, if he hit his brother, if he hit his security detail, it would be bad. Please stop trying to blame women for this or some stupid shit. Oh, it's, you know, because women, I'm like, what are you freaking talking about? You're not supposed to hit people in public. You're not supposed to act like that. Most people will get arrested for doing stuff like that. Um, As for, you know, I thought about this and I always, we're like, oh, we should, we're not saying we should get his job canned. I'm like, honestly, at this point, I think it's irrelevant whether or not we think he should lose his job. fact of the matter is he's, he is in a more exalted position than even athletes because like. The last guy, Crypto, was like, oh, are we hypocritical because we support John Jones? No, it's not a hypocrisy because you have to use emotional intelligence and nuance. With John Jones, there was accountability. Things happened to him. Whether they happened correctly, whether justice was served uh, evenly is debatable. But the fact of the matter is stuff happened to him. You know, as you know, Dana White and other people in positions of power that are even higher up, usually nothing happens to them they quietly make it go away or it gets ignored. And the irony is, even if he was removed as UFC president, nothing's going to happen. Nothing will happen. You know, no one's asking him to, you know, drive him bankrupt. No one's saying, Hey, take his money. He's still going to be, he's still going to be an owner of the UFC. It's just a, it's just a cosmetic position. Hunter Campbell basically runs the UFC. He's the guy that signs everybody, you know? So like, yeah, I mean, would it be weird? Sure. but, you know what, I think we just got so complacent in the idea that no one else can be UFC president. We don't even know what the idea is, when in reality, you know, Dana's not the only one running the place. You know, he works in conjunction with all his, with Shelby and Maynard and Hunter. Heck, he still has to answer to Ari. So, like, if he's gone, he's gone. Big deal. He's still gonna be freaking rich, you know? So, God forbid he loses this one cosmetic job, you know what I mean? So... I don't know, man. Like, I know there's some nuance and it's far more complicated, but I wish people would kind of like use their brains when it comes to the situation, you know? Anyways, as always, be gone, guys. I'll talk to you later.
2: Yeah, man. He's the freaking president of the UFC. And again, I brought this up and, and I'll say it again. What if this was Sean Shelby? What if this was Sean Shelby? What if this is McMaynard? What if this is Hunter? They'd be gone. They would be gone. I'm convinced of that. As important as all those individuals are, they would all be gone. That's all I'm saying. All right, we'll take two more. Let's we'll see if we can get Henry in here. Henry, do we have you? We do not. All right. Uh, hashtag Tobbs. Let's go, what do we got? Are you there? You're muted, I can't hear you, hello.
9: Hey, Mike, go. how you doing? What's Happy up, man? New Year, health, success, and wealth, and everything. Um, so my, my question is, my question is, and yeah, all, all, all you guys make some great points. Like, I'm even surprised like, that the, US, the, the USC didn't even, like, issue, like, um, a statement of any sort, but that, that's, that's really messed up, man, like, that I, should be, I shouldn't be putting his hands on a woman. No, no, matter what happened, even if she slapped him first or whatever, I, I don't even want to hear that excuses. But yeah, uh, back to the back to back back to the fighters. Um, I hear that um, today he's um, like the the last day of, um, of Francis being signed to the UFC. Like, is he officially a free agent or something? So, and is he going to fight this year? Are they going to bring him back? So that was my questions and. Shout out to uh, Sean Siglin for stepping up. Uh, I think that guy want to um, want to start the year on a on a good note since um, he lost that. Did he? Yeah, I think he he lost his last fight, right? So yeah, so shout out. To he the did. Fight. He's lost his last. So team. he wanted he want to start off um on a good note. So yeah, so shout out to him for saving the event. And yeah, so yeah, I want to know about um, Francis' situation. So
2: we, so we talked about Francis earlier. Um... I have no idea, honestly, but I did speak to his head coach yesterday and it seems like it would be news to him if that was if he's an outright free agent. Um, he's optimistic the John Jones fight happens. March might be too soon. He said it's 50/50 in his eyes just based on the business stuff and the dude ripped his knee to shreds. And had surgery in March, so it hasn't even been 10 months since. But he said he worked with Francis before he went back to Cameroon, said Francis bounced around good, said he had great energy to him. And that made Eric really optimistic about his future. So, yeah. But as far as like the business side, whether or not he is, in fact, an outright free agent, I honestly don't know. But... I would think Eric would know, but maybe he didn't. I don't know. So that's just from conversing with him yesterday for about 35 minutes, which hopefully you'll see that interview in the next day or two. Henry, last chance, my man. And then I'm going to take one more,
4: and then I have to go. Hi, Mike. (laughs) There we go. Hey, how you doing, buddy? A heck of a morning. Uh, First-time caller here, long-time listener. Uh, I just want to start off my call by saying, big props to your best friend, uh, AK Lee. I feel like he kind of got the muy caliente prediction kind of right ish. I mean, I literally got done listening to the, the show on Monday evening and within an hour, the Habib news came out. I know obviously AK's prediction was Habib coming back as a fighter, but still I've got to give the guy some props because it, it was just so weird how quick it happened within him making that prediction. Um, And also, I just want to talk about the booking between uh, Lerone Murphy and Nathaniel Woods. I really feel like the UFC could have done a bit better here. I know you have to look at time frames and stuff like that, but I just feel like the momentum right now, you could have kept these guys apart. Like the featherweight division is so deep, and it just, it's going to be a fun fight, but it just doesn't make sense, especially with the momentum that Nathaniel has right now after that win against Jordan. I just, I don't get it. I feel like they could have kept them separate, but that's me. Anyway, thanks for the call, Mark.
2: Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that. It's, it's kind of a stunner, especially doing it in the UK, having those two guys fight each other. But as fight fans, holy shit, that fight's awesome. <laughs> like, it's going to be such a good fight. Lerone hasn't fought in a long time, man. So I'm very excited to see him back. I think Nathaniel Wood has... Just this newfound, like he's always been really good, but I feel like this move to featherweight has just scratched him right where he itched. It's just such a sick fight. I just kind of wish it wasn't happening now, but take where these guys are from completely out of it. It makes sense from a meritocracy perspective because there's probably only room for one of these guys, like as, as potential top 10 guys. And it stinks having two guys from around the same area of the world fighting each other on this card. It doesn't make a lot of sense when typically these cards are are structured as UK and Europe versus the US and everybody else. You don't see a lot of matchups like this, but man, such a good fight. Such a such a good fight. It's got to be really, really good. Lerone hasn't fought since the Mach 1 win. Wow, it's been that long. October 2021, UFC 267. That's the last time we saw Lerone Murphy fight. You're supposed to fight Nate Landwehr, and then Murphy had to withdraw from that one, but it's going to be a banger. It's going to be a banger. But I get where you're coming from. King Cats, hello.
6: Hey Mike, um, <clears throat> thanks for tagging me in
3: here. I was just able to join not too long ago, so uh, apologies if it's already been brought up, but uh, Amanda Nunez has been posting quite a bit of training and strength and conditioning um, footage on her Instagram lately. Do you have any idea um, when
6: she's coming back or if it's 135, 145, or if you don't know, what do you think? Thanks a lot, have a good day.
2: Thank you, yes, I have seen the training footage. I don't know. I'm Because I'm trying to think like where they would put her. That makes sense. It probably won't be. I don't know. And I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, there's options for her. Not a ton. I mean, There's Dumont, there's, if you wanted to go that route, there's, I mean, there's, but not only like all that, there's the Nunez trilogy, or the Julia Pena trilogy, which I'll be honest, I don't, I don't know, I don't really love that one. There's Irini Aldana, but then you get Shevchenko which is the one everybody wants to see. So, yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, we'll see. looks like she has something. I'm kind of surprised they didn't get something for her on this card next Saturday, but that was before all the, the chaos at 205 happened. But we'll see. I mean, there's... We got Ketlin Vieira fighting Raquel Pennington on Saturday. That's a big one in this division. I know Nunes and Pennington fought, but Vieira would be a fresh new matchup for her. And even like this version of Pennington would be interesting. But worst case, I think the winner of that fight probably fights Juliana Pena. I think that would make a ton of sense. I think the Raquel Pennington-Juliana Pena fight would be good business. There is a... Uh, Raquel Banks is not a fan of Juliana Pena, to put it lightly. But you could do Dumont at 145. I don't love that fight, but it's something. There's just not a lot left for Amanda at this point. So I hope the answer is Valentina Shevchenko sooner rather than later. That's what I hope. All right, Michael, I'll get you in, then I have to go. Are you there? I am here. How you doing? What's up, man? So this is like back to the topic of the slap fighting thing.
4: Obviously, we all think slap fighting is dumb as fuck, and it just honestly, in my opinion, it's bad luck. But I don't know if the numbers are out there, but like, how lucrative like is it to be like in the slap fighting thing? Like, how much are those guys making? Do you have any ideas?
2: <laughs> I have no idea. I assume it's far less than what UFC fighters are making. And apparently, this is going to be positioned like some sort of ultimate fighter thing where they're all living in a house and it's going to be some kind of tournament thing. And miss me with that. I have no, I mean, I literally have no interest. I know we have a video on our YouTube channel talking to some of the fighters, but it just, that was just a geographical thing because it was UFC 282 Media Day. And before the UFC 282 fighters came up, they had those guys In a separate room. So it's either just sit there and do nothing or go talk to the slap fighters and people and talk to the slap fighters. But I mean, literally zero interest. Zero, 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 zero. But I'm sure they're not making very much. All right, I'll take one more. We'll get George in here. It's got to be super quick, though, George. What's up, man?
10: Yeah, uh, thanks for squeezing me in. I just wanted to say, for those of us wanting, hoping, uh, starting to lose hope that, that Dana might actually face some repercussions, I'm starting to see that people outside of the bubble, the Dana bubble, because Dana can control ESPN. He has power, pull, sway with ESPN, Disney, Endeavor, uh, the MMA media. But I'm starting to see people outside of this bubble criticizing Endeavor, criticizing Dana. And these are people, these are organizations he can't control. Like today um, someone wrote an article in Variety magazine criticizing endeavor variety magazine is the the number one magazine it's like the sports illustrated of hollywood um basketball players actors and today california politicians wrote a letter demanding that endeavor do something about dana this is starting to grow organically The, the the like dana can only control the bubble this is beyond the bubble. So there's still hope. There's still hope that Dana will be made to pay uh, some price. That Endeavor will be forced to act. Because it's one thing to keep it in-house. It's another when force is beyond, when it goes mainstream. So. I, th- I think I, s- I say we just take a wait-and-see attitude and don't be surprised if a week from now, Dana steps down or Endeavor releases some if- some statement that he's like under suspension or something of that kind. So I, th- I think that bears watching, Mike.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah, and I remember a call I took on Friday and I know he was coming from a different place, Perhaps maybe you didn't know all the ins and outs of it, but he said something to the effect of "This this is overblown. The story's overblown. And I'm like, are you shitting me? This is the most underblown story of this nature, maybe in the history of sports, at least American sports. And I think that's kind of part of the problem too, is that if this was an NFL owner on video or an NBA owner, like if this is Mark friggin' Cuban, if this is Mark Cuban on video, getting in an altercation with his wife and slapping her in the face, everybody would be talking about this. This would be worldwide headline news. If this was the cubes, if this is cubes, but it's, it just takes us back to where we are as a sport. And as I mentioned earlier, talking to other people in other sports who work in front offices or in media, this is who they think we've been the entire time. And this just put a stamp on it. I'll I'll never forget it. I'll never forget listening to my buddy say, when I asked him about this, we're all laughing at you. So he said. We're all laughing at you. We're not laughing at the situation. We're laughing at you, the sport, and the community. And, of course, he didn't just, like, leave it at that. We had more of a conversation, but it was led into, like I said, how Ariel put it out with the Dennis Green quote. They are who we thought they were. That's who the rest of the sports world thinks of us and always has. And this just puts it over the top for them. Because, I, I mean, I've had conversations with them saying, oh, we're coming around, so look at what we've done. Look what the sport, I mean, not, you know what I mean. Look what the sport has, where it's come over the last couple of years. Being on ESPN and this new deal and ESPN Plus and everything they did in the pandemic to keep the sport alive and all that stuff, despite people you know, having reservations about it, they went ahead and they did it. And they did it very well. And those people weren't convinced back then, and they certainly aren't convinced now. But again, this is not an overwhelming story because outside of our little bubble in the occasional write-up on Deadspin and politicians now coming together, women's advocacy groups calling for Dana's job, we've seen some celebrities come out and talk about it. Jamie Foxx, Noriega, Others as well. It's just not enough. It's just not enough. And if this is anybody else in that position. This is not just a bubble story. This is a everywhere story. And it hasn't been. It hasn't been. So, yeah, that's where we're at. All right, I got to go. Appreciate you. I got interviews coming up today. I think you'll like them. And more coming up tomorrow. Trying to to be positive, but again, the story's not going away, friends. It's not going away. Maybe it will. Maybe something will be done. Statements will be made. Some sort of contrition will happen. But I'm not holding my breath. But I'm also I'm also not standing here because these fighters deserve their recognition and all the card stuff and the coverage. This ain't about Dana. This ain't even about the UFC. It's about them. It's about the fighters. And that's how I have to look at this. It's about the fighters, and we need to put the focus on them. But this is not going away. And we'll probably talk more about this on Thursday when we return. So thank you very much. You guys are the best. I appreciate you. Back Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Twitter spaces. Until then, have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody.